Inside the halls of American hospitals, millions of people find comfort, healing, and support. But for many doctors and nurses, this couldn't be further from the truth. This podcast will dive into the shadows of American healthcare to investigate and uncover the abuse, control, and political power plays that leave the very people responsible for our nation's health broken and battered. We're sharing stories of professionals in medicine that have experienced horrendous treatment at the hands of a broken system that does nothing to stop the trauma. As the Association of American Medical Colleges states, long before the Me Too movement, women in medicine have instinctively banded together to counter a culture that too often tolerated harassment. From systemic trauma to abusive power to the unspoken rules of cover-ups and corruption, Mandy Irby and Phoebe will take you to the darkest corners of healthcare in America so you can have an inside look at bringing humanity back to medicine. Sensitive content warning. This podcast will share details of triggering subjects such as sexual assault and workplace violence. So if you aren't in a space to listen, respect your mental health and tune in again at another time. Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Pulse Check Podcast. I'm Hehe And I'm Mandy. And today we are joined by our friend Sybil, who is a travel nurse actually serving currently in Baltimore. And this conversation I think is really going to blow the lid off of a lot of people's beliefs about travel nursing. So uh, Sybil, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. We're so excited to dive into this topic. So I think a good place for us to start, at least for me and for listeners, a little quick review. I'm a doula, so I'm not a medical professional. So I have an inside look in medicine, my partner's in medicine, but I'm not actively in medicine every single day. Sybil, can you start us off with why you wanted to be a travel nurse and what are a couple of things that you wish you had known before you went into travel nursing that when you got in there, you were like, ooh, wasn't expecting this. That's a good question. So I um, became a travel nurse five years after I was a staff nurse. So I did like two years in med search and then three years in labor and delivery. And I became a travel nurse because to be 100% honest, I did not care for how we had been treated during the pandemic. And, you know, especially in the beginning with all of the shortages, all of the cutting of the benefits, all of the, you know, um, lack of appreciation for management and hazard, like lack of hazard pay, all of that contributed to me just being like, why am I even here? Like, why am I in this hospital? They obviously don't care about me in any way. So um, I had always kind of picked the brains of travel nurses when they came through the unit because I was so interested in what they did. But I had never had like, the the gumption to be like oh I like really want to do this until then and then I was like you know what like especially with the travel rates like going up so high I was like I think it's time for an adventure it's time to like see if I can leave this comfort zone of like staff nursing I've been in one facility basically like the, the entire time and I was like you know what let's do it like it's time so that's how I became a travel nurse and I like never looked back. I loved it like immediately, even with the struggles and everything. Oh, that's awesome. How long have you been doing it? So two years? No, I've only been doing it once. So I started 
Yeah, I started in uh, January of 2021. Oh, awesome. January 3rd, actually. (laughs) (laughs) So it must be a little crazy to go from unit to unit and work under different managers and have to kind of insert yourself into different cultures. Because I imagine each unit has their own culture, right? We talk about that kind of on the show that what you expect from one culture or one unit is going to be different than what you can expect from the next, even on different floors and units within the same hospital or facility or system. Um, so what, what's that like as a travel nurse? How do you do that? How do you manage new relationships pretty frequently? So I think the, the, I mean, this could be a pro or con depending on who you are. But the interesting thing about being a travel nurse is that you can observe the unit culture kind of as a third party observer because you have no horse in the race, right? Like you're not going, you're not like fighting to be management there. You are not trying to be like the charge nurse at that facility, anything like that. You are there to do your job and to leave in 13 weeks or less, right? So it's very interesting to insert, like, you can insert yourself in the culture in like in any capacity that you wish. So you can, you know, be very superficial about it in that like you just create relationships that are like very short passing. And this is what I did when I had like a, you know, like an eight week contract. It's like, I'm not going to be there very long. So I'm just kind of like friendly with people and I'm not going to like really get to know anyone. But when I was in like my longer contracts, I like, you know, I picked like two or three people who I like really liked and I they would pick my brain, I would pick their brain, and they would like, it, it was really nice to be able to like develop friendships without the work drama associated with it at all, because like, you would hear about work drama, but you're not involved in any way. So it's kind of like, oh, like, I remember they, you know, one time we were at lunch, um, I was at lunch with like two other people, and they were talking about like this work drama thing, and I was just like living for it, right? I was like, yes, like, I want to know about this and this and this, but then I'm like, Oh, like, that's it. Like, I just get to enjoy it. And I don't get to like, be a part of it or be mad about it or anything like that. Because I'm just a travel nurse. And I'm just like, I'm just a travel nurse there that's going to leave. (laughs) And that's kind of nice for me anyway. Not my permanent position, not my problem. That that is really nice. So do you find that people on the floor are typically welcoming and warm to travel nursing? Or are they typically like, oh, what are they doing here? And I ask this because on social media, I always see people complaining, staff nurses complaining that their hospital is spending caboodles of money getting travel nurses when really mm-hmm. that money could be going into their pocket. So how does that dynamic play out like actually on the floor? I think that there are a few types of you will encounter a few types of staff nurses when you get to a place. You will definitely see like, you know, the the staff nurse that does not like you because you're a travel nurse and never give you a chance and never will. That's one. And you have to be the kind of person that can deal with that and be like, okay, like, that's fine. You know, she doesn't or he doesn't like me. Perfect. Great. Um, then you will encounter people that are super grateful that you're there to help them out. Like there are people who like wish they could travel or have no interest in travel who just want the help who are fine, you know, staying where they're at, but they don't love the fact that they're super understaffed all the time. So if they have like a couple of travel nurses come in and their ratios all of a sudden are big in med search, let's say they go from like six to four, 
because of the travel nurses, they're extremely grateful and they're very kind and they're willing to teach and they're very sweet. Um, there's also um, staff nurses that don't care to know you simply because they don't want to get attached and they know you're going to leave. And I think um, a lot of these people are very nice, but you can tell that they are not like, you know, they're not trying to take you out. They're not trying to do anything like that. Now, I will say um, of all the friends that I've made, I've only really made like one or two friends that are staff nurses that like I that have told me, hey, let's go out for drinks. Let's do this. Let's do that. Let's like explore the town. But otherwise, I feel like most of the friends that you make as a travel nurse that are like long term friends are other travelers. And those are the people that are like, hey, like we should maybe look into another assignment or hey, like maybe we should do this or that. Or like, what do you think about housing in this area? Like, I think other travelers, like they really stick to you because you're in the same boat as they are. That's so interesting, Sybil. Uh, (laughs) I was the resentful, um, like protecting of my feelings um, staff nurse because, you know, it's like investing in a relationship that I knew would be severed. Yes. But that was like three years ago. I not worked too closely with travelers um, at that time when I left. Mm-hmm. Um, on L and D because it's, it just felt like a little bit of a different, um, unit, other parts of the hospital had travelers and we had less or none, but I did feel resentful. And I felt like, well, I hated that, you know, the money was going to nurses and not to me as a nurse. And I hated mm-hmm. that. Of course, that's not the traveler's fault. And I hated that they were, if they were cool, they would leave. Mm -hmm. And you were like, it's so like, kind of like unpredictable. A lot is changing when there's travelers because people have already left that there's like no stability, a feeling of lack of stability on the unit. And, and like you as a traveler kind of represent that that's my like, um, childlike emotional response. So I can relate to not treating travelers (laughs) super well or like being friends, but I think what you just said is a really good perspective on, wait a minute. It's not that travelers don't, you know, know drama on the unit. It's that they knew possibly so much that they left <laughs> right where you were. Like, I don't know what caused you to leave or for, you know, every travel nurse is different, but often you were impacted negatively already. By the drama. And, oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I feel like the, you know, the unit culture is so important because it, like, one of, one of the things that I always hear from travel nurses is that, you know, they think that they're leaving their staff job for a harder job, right? Because sometimes learning new things and, you know, learning new environments is harder. But what you find once you start actually travel nursing is that your job is infinitely easier because the unit culture isn't on you like you don't have a manager that doesn't like you or you don't have you know oh this church doesn't like you she's gonna give me a bad assignment or stuff like that it's more predictable because they just treat you as a traveler and nothing is like personal the way that it is when you are a staff nurse and you're like in this unit and you know they're like oh you know this person's like this and like that and they're we're gonna give her this and that it's like it becomes like very childish and very like unprofessional where as a traveler like yeah you do encounter some stuff where like okay like they're going to give you 
sometimes like the harder assignments to yeah. like relieve their staff but like it's not personal you know and you, you're kind of like you know I'm a traveler like I hate it that they do this but it's never because of you specifically yeah. Yeah. whereas the unit drama is always because of you because <sighs> of like how people perceive you or like how you know things that have happened in the past uh -huh. you know like it's almost like a clean slate when you're a travel nurse you're just like you can walk in there and you can be like the quiet girl that like sits in the corner and like just does her work and leaves if you feel like it because no one expects you to be anything because they don't know you <laughs> oh my gosh Sybil yeah. you are changing <laughs> people's lives today I mean it's not like we have the biggest following on our podcast but I have specific I love questions your <laughs> oh that's so nice <laughs> we're like oh that feels so good I have specific questions from friends who are like I don't know if I could travel and I'm sending them constant like TikToks and app like um job openings and agencies and I'm like mm -hmm. it's out there it's out there it's out there what push do you need and they're like well I want to know about this and I want to know about that and you're just like it's not harder when you strip the manipulation yeah. and the abuse because that's how they you know that's how toxic units get you is this mm -hmm. cycle of abuse where they're like playing on your emotions. They know your mm -hmm. family dynamics. They know your history with the unit. Like mm -hmm. you're, you're saying sometimes you get worse assignments. I've also heard that from travelers. So thank you for bringing mm -hmm. that up where they yep. kind of get dumped on, but you're, you represent something that they need a, a person that they need a relief. Mm -hmm. And when you have that mindset, you're able to kind of separate yourself from that role. And that's fucking amazing. That's so amazing. Yeah. So yeah. like it's professional different. and yeah. um, mature about mm -hmm. your role. And it, you like take away the politics. Yeah. Because yeah. it's like, it doesn't involve you. Like, but you're, like you're just a traveler. I've been there at like <laughs> eight years. And you're just a traveler. Like, who are you? You're, you're going to be gone. Yeah. You're not going to stick around. Um, I had been there five years, eight years. I was getting dumped on because then I was the most senior. Mm -hmm. And so I had to go to my manager and be like, look, I know like these are the types of patients that are great sometimes, but I just need you to know that I have to seek therapy to work through this. These are hard all the time. And they're like, oh, you're the best at it. Like that's BS. Yeah. You get it anyways, whether you're... <laughs> That's how, you burn, that's how you burn a your stuff out you give yeah. you know because well, they have seems, to learn it, yeah so and also like all. you're technically giving preferential treatment to people who are not as good to lazy people <laughs> that's right <laughs> oh my gosh that's like, like, she's not as good so i'm going to give it to like the good nurse yeah it's like okay well the good nurse is gonna leave <laughs> so how that's do you fix it so how do you fix that? What should managers be doing to even out that workload? How do you do that to keep your good nurses there? Well, honestly, like I felt like, okay, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to tell you a story. So when the pandemic started, we had a huge perinatal unit. I, I worked in a big L&D. It had postpartum. It had like 50 something beds. LDRP, postpartum, everything in one floor. Okay. We were our own mini like hospital within a hospital, within a gigantic hospital. We had our own OR, PACU, all that stuff. 
So when the pandemic started, they put aside like five rooms. They made them negative pressure, five or six or something like that. They made them ne negative pressure and they made it the COVID area. So basically it was, you know, they had their own, there was a group of staff that was supposed to go in the COVID area and just stay there. And that way we would keep like a clean side and a dirty kind of a thing. Okay. So if you tested positive, you would go to the COVID side. I spoke Spanish and I was a triage nurse at the time. So I wasn't all the way to charge, but I was like one off. I was triage. And I was in the COVID area all the time. Literally, like, almost every single shift that I worked, I was co what they called COVID triage because I spoke Spanish and we had a lot of Spanish speaking, like, you know, patients that would go in the COVID side. So that was helpful. But it burned me out. Like, it burned me out so quick. And, like, I don't think, you know, at the time, like, I don't think that anybody saw it as, like, you know, oh, we're giving, you know, preferential treatment to, like, a group of nurses. But it ended up being that because it ended up being that I was, you know, it was much more likely that I was going to get COVID. And this was, like, yeah. pre-vaccines, pre-everything, right? Like, we didn't have enough PPE, like, all this yeah. stuff. and. I was much more exposed than other nurses who worked the same role as me. And it, it was preferential treatment to this group of nurses. And it's like, not that they were, I was a better nurse, but I just knew the role better. And I felt like I was punished for it instead of rewarded. And I feel like that is the huge thing that a lot of these like very highly skilled, like, you know, nurses feel when they're staff is that they are good nurses. They get the harder patients. They usually are relied on more so than other nurses who maybe had like a harder time or like who were slow learners or whatever, but they don't get rewarded for it. They get punished because they get, you know, the bigger, the higher acuity patient load. They have to do this. They have to do that. And I never, like, I have never really seen nurses, get rewarded monetarily for it, no. which is what they should do. Like if there is a charge um, bonus, it's usually like very, very little. It's like 30 cents right. for to, to like be, uh, to be charters on a unit, you know? And it's like a slap in the face to nurses a lot because you're like, okay, then what's the point of being like high performing? Because in every other, like, if you talk tech, communications, like, any other field, if you're a high-performing employee, you get rewarded for it. Mm -hmm. But in nursing, not necessarily. You, and which is why it, like, also makes you almost not want to be high-performing once you have, like, burned yourself out. Because you're like, okay, like, you're, you know, everybody relies on you, you're good, you're this, you're that. And then, like, you get to a point where, you either leave and you like become a traveler or go somewhere else or like get a lower acuity specialty where you're like less stressed out. Yeah. Or you're like, why am I going to do X, Y, and Z when this nurse is just doing A, B, and C and it's fine. Like we're, we're getting paid the same. We're right. doing the same things. Like, why am I going to put all this effort? I don't get anything out of it. You know what I mean? They use your desire to be helpful. And your yeah. morals and values of like, um, doing the right thing. So they mm -hmm. put you in an impossible position where you're like, oh, 
okay, well, if you're not going to take them, who's going to take them? Like, uh, fucking fight, figure it out. Yeah. Like, you well, know, not anybody should be care. able to take them. Like, yeah. I, nobody should, you know, and this is nursing, like they, they will replace you. You know, if you mm. die on the job, they'll replace you before you're buried. You know, yeah. like, like I, no one is indispensable in their role, but they pretend that you are. So that you take a specific assignment or like you, so that you take a, oh, like you need to come in because like we need you because like we don't have a charge nurse or whatever. Yeah. And like, you're the only person that can run this. They make you feel special, but only yeah. when it benefits them. You're right? the only when person benefits- that can do this. So we're yeah. going to prove it by guilting and shaming you into it. Yeah, You're not going to exactly. see any benefit and no. it's actually going to take extra days of recovery for you that we're yeah. also not going to give you. Yeah. You might actually need therapy, but it's fine. Or acknowledge. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you get more assignments um, just to add to what you said, you get more assignments. If you don't talk back, if you don't fight back, if you don't stand up for yourself, if you don't advocate Mm -hmm. for yourself. So you're Mm -hmm. punished. If you do it, the folks that do that often it's, it's underpaid overworked charge nurses Mm -hmm. that aren't having the leadership skills that they need and they're spread too thin on like high risk, high acuity, volatile units as labor and delivery. Mm-hmm. And so they tend to go often to the like easiest route. So we're going to put Sybil there because Sybil's been there all week. So like yeah, they can just like week and, tell you know, themselves. She knows, she knows the role. She's going to do it. It's fine. She's going to do it. Like, yeah. Okay. Because I can, <laughs> because I can, well, or, or have we not identified that this is a necessary role that not everyone can do? So my ass should be in my director's office immediately mm-hmm. saying, this mm-hmm. is worth twice what I'm making. Mm-hmm. And that's where it well, comes in. We're like, um, you're dispensable. So we're going to get somebody else who doesn't have to, char- who we don't have to pay that much. I will never But I forget. thought I was the only one that could run the this part only of the year. Yeah. I, you literally just told me I was the right. only one that could do right. it. Yeah, show me the money, right? I will never right. forget. This is one of the this is one of the um last straws for me leaving staff nursing. I, you know, after doing that whole like triage thing and like doing everything, um, you know adjusting to COVID, like teaching other people how to run COVID triage and all that stuff. My evaluation, oh, I was also like, you know, the leader of the CUSP team. I was like doing all this stuff, right? My evaluation showed just meets expectations. Oh. And my evaluation for that year, I was like, I'm never, and here's the thing. I didn't take it personally because I'm not someone who takes those kinds of things personally. But I did deduce from it. I'm never going to get anywhere here. Right. Like, how am I meet expectations when the, you know, the nurse that refused to go on the COVID side because she said that she hasn't worked COVID yet and we've been in a pandemic for like almost a year and she's like not going. She's also meets expectations. Like, yep. Yep. Yeah. (laughs) Well, that's what you said. All your, all your examples earlier was how they connect you personally to the role. Mm -hmm. All those examples was how they were like, Oh, you're the only one can do it. You're so good. We need this. Our patients Mm -hmm. need you, blah, 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 blah. And you're the, the reason I say this is so, um, like mature is that you're 
this is the first decade of you doing this and you can see it (laughs) so clearly, so quickly to me, it took forever. And I'm like, it's going to be hard to move. And I believed all the things that they told me, which was the grass isn't always greener. And Mm -hmm. it's the only place in my area that I can do this truly. So I would have to move my family and well, don't you have kids to pay and blah, 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 blah. And you're like, oh no, this ain't personal. This is a system (laughs) that's fucked and I need to look out for myself. (laughs) Well, I I think that I also like, like many other, I don't think I'm like special. I think that like many other people, the pandemic and like how management dealt with it in different hospitals and like everything you've heard online made us grow up really fast in terms of like, you know how trauma makes you grow up quickly. Same thing in nursing. It's like we had trauma early in our career. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like I'd only been a nurse for like five years at that point Mm -hmm. for when the pandemic started. So it's like, I didn't know very much in that I was like, just, I think after four years, you're finally getting like accustomed to your role in a way that you are like no longer new after like two or three years. Right. But year four, I'm like comfy and then boom, COVID. Right. So it's, I think it's like a combination of things. I I think that, you know, a lot of people have come to the same conclusion that I have. And that's why everybody's leaving. There's like so many more travel nurses now than there used to be. So one of the things I have not heard either one of you say, and it came to my mind when you were talking about um, not being connected to uh, the unit culture and the drama and not having, you know, a manager that doesn't like you is freedom. Is that a good, you know, kind of description of one of the biggest benefits of travel nursing is you get your freedom? Oh, yeah, I think so. I think you you get the freedom to finally, you know how people say just a nurse is an insult? I'm like, I finally got to be just a nurse. Like I was just another nurse on the unit. No, nothing extra, nothing fluffy. Like I was a pair of hands. I knew my role. I had signed like, you know, you know how they make you sign like a job description. Like I'm like, I know what my job description is and I don't have to worry about anything else. I'm not charged. I'm not a manager. I'm not trying to get a good, like, I mean, you're always trying to make a good impression, but not, it's not like an evaluation that's going to determine my raise. You know what I mean? Like, it's like, you're trying to make a good impression because, you know, you want to make good connections. You want to, your coworkers to like you, but I I think it's a lot of freedom. It's a lot of freedom in terms of um, being, and you can, like I said, you can decide who you want to be. So let's say you're like burnt out from your last unit and you're like, you know, I just want like some peace and quiet, <laughs> right? Yeah. Like, and I just want to like not really talk to many people and just kind of have this time to myself. You can do that. Or you can go to a place and be like, I want an adventure and I want to make friends and I want to do this and I want to do that. And you can do that too. Wow. If you want. You can be the weird like, one. You can be the weird one. You can be yourself. You can be that nurse. You can like try out your new like trauma informed (laughs) care training. We're always talking about that here and just be like, ew, (laughs) everything. And and (laughs) I I think I I, I love, I love like being able to just walk into every place with a clean slate. 
like it's like you know well it's no strings attached right no strings attached and they don't know who you are that's a good perspective Sybil hey we have a few minutes left can I do some rapid fire questions for you yeah okay what surprised you the most about traveling how expensive it was to actually get to these places and like live there gotcha (laughs) Okay. Wildly underestimated how much it costs. (laughs) Oh shit. Yeah. So that goes into my, another one is, um, how do you, how do you do housing stipend? Cause I've heard you can take it, you can stay where they set you up. And like, what have you tried? So, um, I try to stay, I'm trying to be more and more knowledgeable about tax law because it all, um, is connected and I want to do right by the IRS. So I, you know, make sure that if I am taking a stipend, it's because I'm doubling my expenses. And I think that everybody thinks that there's a rule for miles, like, oh, if you're 50 miles or whatever, but it really has, you know, tax-wise, it's more to do with um, doubling your expenses, needing to spend the night there, like, you know, having receipts of like your hotels, your Airbnb or all that stuff. Mm -hmm. I prefer, honestly, my favorite way to find housing is to um, get a hotel for the first, like, week or so that I'm there and ask around at the hospital say hey is anybody renting to travelers because there usually is people that are renting to travelers and that's how I found my little tiny house in Oregon that I literally was like in a family's lot yeah. in this tiny house and yeah. like the family that lived there were like it was like a nurse's family oh my like God. it was like best case scenario it's oh like, yeah it was like in the ER and I was like in med search and she was like, she brought me soup when I was sick. Like, <laughs> this was like best case scenario. Oh my God. She's like, um, it's going it. to snow. We're going to shovel and like, no worries. Oh yeah. Like, it, get was that in like a it was like so great. And like when other people, I feel like it was almost more trustworthy when it's like another healthcare worker. I don't yeah. know why. <laughs> yeah. And they, and they know like, you have odd hours and you do weird stuff and you're not like a weirdo. You're just like buying beer at 5 a.m. is just how we do. Exactly. When we're doing that. Oh my gosh. That was like amazing tax. (laughs) What did your colleagues say about travel when you left? Oh my God. Half of them hated me. Half of them still do. (laughs) Thank you. Um, It's fine. I mean, I think it has a lot to do. A lot of people have lesser travel and not gotten as as much like tomato, tomato, tomato is me because I am very vocal about travel nursing and I have a social media following. So like, I think that um, it's easy to be like, oh, she left for greener pastures and left us hanging. Um, I think they, they all know the problems that, you know, my former place has. And I think that they are just, a lot of them just can't travel or choose not to. And that's not on me. Yeah. 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 Thanks for saying that. I'm like, take nothing personally kind of person. Well, also like internalized oppression and like projecting, you know, they're still in that game of like trying to impress the the manager, trying to get in that office, you know, where I'm just like, and trauma responses and projecting and like the infantile emotional response, which I can, yeah, I can relate to that because I've heard that. And I'm glad you say that. I think it's very relatable to the folks that are listening. You've said a lot of things that I used to believe, and I want the nurses who are on the edge to get information from someone who's recently done it because they're going to hear the same shit and it's not personal. Like you said, no, it's not, 
it's not personal. Like I, I made a, a choice for my yeah. career, my life, and you don't have to do it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, but we also can practice building each other up about our own individual choices oh, and being yeah. curious about it and not being like so many people are and so many so many people are very, very positive. And they're Good. like, you know, they come to me texting me like, hey, like, I think what you're doing is cool. Like, oh, good. Awesome. Like, hey. I can't travel, but like, oh. you know. I hope you're a millionaire. Treat me to a drink when you come back. <laughs> like, yeah, when come you come visit. back, let's grab lunch. Come yeah. visit. Like my, my actually, my best friend still works there. And okay. like, I saw her yesterday. Like, it's like, you know, she, and she tells me all the time, she's like, I could never travel because I don't like new things. And I, yeah. I love the fact that I'm settled in my job. And I'm like, mm-hmm. eh, cool. cool, cool. She's um, like my number one supporter. She like never begrudges me anything. That's so good. That's yeah. so good. How <laughs> did you find a good agency? I, um, my, the first agency I used was through Anna Reese on uh she's on instagram and tiktok we kind of bonded early in the in our in our tiktok careers i guess uh, per se um and she recommended an agency to me i think that's the best way when somebody like verbally recommends something to you i think it has a lot more weight than like seeing reviews online or anything like that because you can really you know pick the brains of the travelers in your unit i would say if like you're looking for a good agency Mm -hmm. um Right now, I'm kind of experimenting, experimenting with a couple. So I'm like seeing what works. Um, I so far have had good experiences, thankfully. Okay. So I can't, I can't say anything bad. You know, the only thing I've had really bad experience with right now is licensing, and that's not on them. <laughs> right, right, separate. Yeah. Oh, yeah. awesome. Um, how do you get shorter contracts if you want them like four to six weeks? I would say you have to wait for the right moment in the year. So um, I, you can't always have a four-week contract anytime that you want. You have to wait until there is a search or you have to wait until there is a need and there are more that pop up. And for that, you have to be available. So that's kind of hard. So I think that four-week, six-week, eight-week contracts, a lot of the time they are a product of you just being available. So okay. it's like luck and kind of planning a little bit. So um, I know in the beginning of the year, there's usually a lot of needs or like right be- right during the holidays, like, you know, mm. the two last weeks of December, people are like, nobody wants to work. So, you know, if anybody needs a travel nurse, they are, you know, desperate. desperate. So they yeah. will do shorter contracts. But otherwise, um, yeah, there's not, unfortunately, there's not as many as I would like there to be. Okay. Okay, cool. That's helpful. All right. Last one. Are you responsible for your own education, like continuing ed, BLS, ACLS, and do you have to pay for that? You, so yes and no, it depends. Mm -hmm. So if you, you have to play your cards right. So let's say your BLS is about to expire, you know do it while you're on assignment Mm -hmm. so that the agency pays for it if you do it while you're so if you do it while you're on like a three-month break yeah you're gonna pay for that right okay (laughs) sweet so you take it at the hospital you're at and they bill your agency yeah no no you usually pay for it and you bill your agency got it you reimburse can i get a reimbursement okay like a form 
Okay. Um, I think that that's the best way to do it. And because they are literally profiting off your work. So they're willing to, a lot of agencies are willing to do um, all kinds of things. I've had agencies even reimburse me for vaccinations. Mm-hmm. Like I had to get, so I'm Peruvian. So I've had to get like vaccinations and titers like more often than most people who have just like lived here their whole lives because, mm-hmm. you know, ch- you know, they have to prove that you're immune and things like that. So um, when I had to do like two or three vaccine titers and stuff like that, the agency paid for it because okay. it was to go into a job that Required. I was doing for them. So, gotcha. Yeah. The agency just, you know, quick FYI for people, agencies sometimes even reimburse you for scrubs that you buy. Mm. They can reimburse you for parking. So let's say you get to a facility and like my old facility was like $13 a day for parking. My agency reimbursed me for all that. Nice. And so are you, this is just like my personal interest. Are you teaching about this? Like you sound like you are talking about a needed niche that I have not heard nurses talk about before. And if you want me to edit this out, I will. You're like, shut up. Maybe no. this is what I'm doing. The te- <laughs> You are like a con- independent contractor almost at, at this point. You're like a nurse contractor. So you have to be responsible for the taxes, knowing mm-hmm. what, you know, either sole proprietorship or whatever that looks like for your contractor business. Mm-hmm. Um, you're responsible for getting that money back from like under the tax hood of paying taxes on. And that's going to be really new to nurses. So that is a huge hurdle. I think that's keeping nurses from going in. And of course, like I've told my friends, like, bitch, I've done it. Like, come on. That is not, that is like the least of your hurdles right now. But for them, it's like, I've always loved clocking in, clocking out and someone else takes care of that. And I get a W2 from one place. Yes. I I do some education, especially on like insurances and things like that. Um, because I know Mm. that in order for, okay, so some nurses come from that background where they are used to, you know, their hospital taking care of everything, right? Then they go to an agency. And now the agency, here's the thing, the agency will attempt to take care of everything for you. But the problem with that is that once you do that, you kind of have loyalty to the agency because it's not going to be as easy to leave. So let's say like, you know, uh, agency A is paying you, um, $3,000 for a contract a week, right? And they have like your, your health insurance, they have your 401k, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you find agency B is paying like 5k. Mm-hmm. You're not going to go to agency B because you literally have like your whole life with agency A. And yeah. changing it is like, it's such a big hassle. So yeah. I, what I always, I mean, I'm not doing like a ton of teaching, but like what I always recommend is like, doing everything on your own so that you, when you go to the agency, they're like, Hey, do you want these like products of so like, you're like, Nope, because I already have it. And you can like kind of navigate your own way and you can take as much time off as you, as you want, because mm-hmm. when you have it under an agency, the problem is that like, you can only take like 20 something days off before like your insurance lapses and things like that. Oh. And like when you're a travel nurse, like you could potentially like, I haven't worked since October 13th, mostly because of a licensing issue that I've had, but I did plan on taking like a month and a half off, you know, that was the the plan. Now it's become like almost three months, right? Um, Not, I didn't want that to be three months, but you know, I digress. Um, So the agency would have cut off my insurance, right? but I have my own insurance and I never have to worry about that. 
Like I, I have my own private, like, you know, so I always encourage people to do that. I, I do want to educate a little more about it. I just have a fear. Um, I have a little bit of a fear of talking about taxes because I am not as well, well versed as I want to be mm-hmm. before talking about something so important. Mm-hmm. And I, I do think that there are travel nurses out there who talk a lot about taxes who are like much more knowledgeable than me. So I kind of like stay away from that a little bit um, because I'm like currently working with a CPA and things like that and learning more, but you know, it's a it's a curve yeah (laughs) I get that yeah I I definitely had to learn like you said like so many things that I didn't know before about my building my own benefit package basically yeah that's so fascinating all right podcast number two it's It's a good thing (laughs) it is a good thing and you're independent Mm -hmm. you don't rely on anything any any entity and so you can be more flexible and also negotiate maybe yeah like and you can so usually when you like if you go to a, a website and they give you like a breakdown of the price of the you know contract, mm-hmm. it'll say like a range. Let's say it's that's twenty five hundred to you know uh, three thousand two hundred. Mm-hmm. Well, usually it's not that big of a range, but you know an example. So if you have your own benefits package, you already know that you're going to get that top end mm-hmm. price because when they add things to your package that's when it starts to lower and they start to profit more from you because they're like giving you all these they're giving you all these perks that they pay like for a whole group for so like they're not paying what you're perceived value but it's not necessarily that they are not paying what you're giving up but if you have your benefits package on your own like you can you already know you're like okay I'm going to make that top dollar for that contract and I can go to another agency if I want because no lapses in my insurance, no nothing. I have everything separate. Amazing. Well, for someone to say, I don't know if I'm special. Um, yes, you are. Thank you for sharing <laughs> everything you've Thank learned. You. This is gold. This is gold. <laughs> Nurses are going to be like, rewind. I would like looked out the window for a second and missed something huge. This is incredible. The fact that you share it and you get slack and you're so like nonchalant, like, don't take it personally. Like we can all use this energy. Thank you so much, Sybil. Oh, you're welcome. <laughs> so helpful. I really, really believe that, you know, your life is so much better when you don't take anything personally. You're like, you know, oh, this happened for this reason, another reason. Like, it's not on me personally. Yeah. Like, <laughs> it's nice. That is energy that we can all uh, kind of, I guess, benefit from. <laughs> I feel so much lighter just even hearing you talk about your philosophy of going from unit to unit and the freedom that comes along with that. So if people are interested in following along with you or learning more about travel nursing or just hanging in your presence because it's such a powerful energy, where can they do that? How can they find you on social media? So I am SibsRN on a TikTok, S-I-B-S-R-N. Thank you so much for being here. Just as expected, you totally blew the lid off of this conversation. (laughs) I think that you opened so many people's eyes. I think probably a lot of people are leaving this conversation thinking, I got a lot of research to do because I might have some life-changing decisions coming up really, really soon. This conversation was great. It was more than anything I could ever have imagined. Thank you so much for oh, joining thank us. Thank you, guys. Oh, my God. You guys are so sweet. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. All right, guys. We will see you next week for another episode of the Pulse Check Podcast. Bye. Bye. Thank you for having me. 
Thanks for joining us today. We wanted to leave you with a quick stat and something to think about until we see you next time. According to a 2018 report from the National Academies of Sciences, Engineering, and Medicine, the prevalence of sexual harassment in academic medicine is almost double that of other science and engineering specialties. This presents a serious danger that ripples into patient safety, clinical outcomes, and burnout, which leads to costly loss of talent. How much safer could medicine be if nurses and physicians weren't also battling sexual harassment day in and day out? If you or anyone you know has a story to share, please contact us on Instagram at pulsecheck.podcast. We'd love to share your story.